Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing, more than a feeling. To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save Your life To be powered by love Again, welcome to worship here this morning I'm Pastor Nathan, pastor here at Elk River Lutheran I'm Lisa Sampson, director of Children, Youth, and Family Ministry Jeremy Hallquist, intern pastor. And I'm Taylor Quinn, the director of music ministry and worship. And as I, we hear about uh, God's loving of the world, that's the kind of the context that we enter into the conversation about death and resurrection. We'll hear Jesus talking about uh, predicting his own death and then resurrection as well. We'll hear Mary Oliver in the poetry reflect a little bit on uh, death and resurrection, the suffering and new life that comes. Uh, in the form of forest fires, actually, is kind of what is the context of the poem that she shares. Uh, and so uh, death and resurrection, these uh, literal deaths that we experience in life, but also the little kind of deaths and hardships that come our way and how we have this promise of new life always on the horizon. And so uh, we're excited to have you be a part of this conversation here today. And we're going to continue with the prayer of the day. And so I invite you to join me in this prayer now. Let's pray together. God of grace, help us to love what is mortal. Give us the courage to hold it close, and when the time comes, to let it go. Amen. And this is one of the callings that Mary Oliver shares in this poem, is that we are called to love and hold on to life, celebrate it, but when the time comes, to let it go. And so you'll hear that theme in this poem. Uh, the poem is called In the Blackwater Woods, and it comes from that poetry book that we've been uh, sharing poems from, Devotions, by Mary Oliver. And so uh, we'll continue with the, with the poem now. Look. The trees are turning their own bodies into pillars of light, are giving off the rich fragrance of cinnamon and fulfillment. The long tapers of cattails are bursting and floating away over the blue shoulders of the ponds. And every pond, no matter what its name is, is nameless now. Every year, everything I have ever learned in my lifetime leads back to this. The fires and the black river of loss, whose other side is salvation, whose meaning none of us will ever know. To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends upon it. And when the time comes to let it go, to let it go. 
Well, we'll be reflecting more on this poem and how it ties in, uh, including in the sermon. I you know, highlight and tie this in with this gospel reading where Jesus shares what we hear and know as the first passion prediction, telling his disciples for the first time about his impending death. And so uh, we hear now the scripture reading read by uh, Linda Campbell. A reading from Mark 8. After Peter confesses his belief that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus tells his disciples for the first time what is to come. Peter's response indicates that he does not yet understand the way of the cross that Jesus will travel. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life. Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Well, thank you, Linda, for reading for us this morning, and now we'll continue with the sermon. When I was in seminary, I got assigned to do my internship, what Jeremy's doing here at Elk River Lutheran. I got assigned to do mine out at a church in Eugene, Oregon. And so Annie and I, young and in love, packed up all of our stuff and headed out to Oregon in two different cars. And so on the way out there, we communicated with each other with walkie-talkies because even though we had cell phones, it was the mid-2000s and those flip phones weren't very reliable. Not only that, we didn't want to burn up all of our minutes, if you remember those days of counting minutes. We also didn't have a GPS and so instead we had an old atlas and we had some directions that we had printed off MapQuest and away we were on our adventure. Well uh, one of the stops we were most excited about was to stop and camp just outside Yellowstone National Park and so we were driving 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 that day trying to get to our campground before dark but the sun started to set. And so as the sun was setting, we were driving deeper into this beautiful forest with trees on both sides, when all of a sudden, those trees on both sides turned to the blackened remains of a forest fire on both sides. Instead of big, tall, beautiful green trees, it was just tall black spindles and the carpet of black ash on the ground. And so we're driving miles and miles through this just remains of a forest fire and Annie's calling me on the walkie-talkie saying, are you sure this is right? And I'm calling her back saying, well, I think so. I called to confirm this morning. They didn't mention that the campground had burned up or anything. Plus, I'm still following the MapQuest directions. And so we just kept driving into this forest of, you know, blackness 
when finally, in the pitch dark, just lighted by our headlights, we could see real unburned trees again. And then there was a sign for the campground. And so we went in, we checked into the office, picked our little campsite on their map, one that was right next to this lake, which we couldn't wait to see in the morning because it was dark. So we were setting up our tent by uh, flashlight and we went to sleep that night. The next morning we woke up cold with frost on our tent, but we were excited to unzip the door of the tent and see that beautiful lake that was right there because that's what the map showed us. And instead, we saw a stinky little mud pit about 300 yards away from us. You know, before we left, we stopped and asked in the office, what's up with the lake? And they said, well, it's been dry. And then the fires came. And so the firefighting helicopters had come and they'd scooped up most of the lake to fight the fires with. It was wild. In the light of day, we again drove through that burned up forest and I had never seen the immediate effects of a forest fire like that before. I've still never seen anything like that again. In her poem that we read this morning in the Blackwater Wood, Mary Oliver is actually reflecting on a forest fire as she says this, look, the trees are turning their own bodies into pillars of light. And then she says, every year, everything I have learned in my lifetime leads me back to this the fires and the black river of loss, whose other side is salvation, whose meaning none of us will ever know. Forest fires are one of the most natural and healthy things that a forest can experience. From the death of a forest fire comes the resurrection of new growth. But here's the thing, I don't think Mary Oliver is just talking about forest management. We all experience these seasons of life and death, of hopeful joy and heartbreaking sadness. We know this rhythm of seasons that Mary Oliver talks about, that Jesus talks about, that we'll be talking about here this morning. It's death and resurrection. So what does all this talk about forest fires have to do with Jesus and our gospel reading for today? Well, forest fires and the new growth that comes after one is a beautiful illustration of the death and resurrection Jesus shares with his disciples. Mary Oliver says this, To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it, and when the time comes, to let it go. To let it go. Likewise, from the Gospel of Mark, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. Death and resurrection, suffering and new life. This gospel reading for today is often called the first passion prediction simply because it's the first time that Jesus tells his disciples he's going to die. I think as good church folks, we hear this story and we kind of just shrug our shoulders and say, yeah, that's what happens, right? I mean, we know the story. Jesus dies. On the third day, he's raised from the dead. We know it. But try putting yourselves in the minds of those first disciples who, after seeing Jesus do all these amazing things, healings and miracles, proclaiming this kingdom of God, a reality where all the wrongs of the world will be set right, they had huge expectations for what was coming next. Never could they have ever imagined that what was coming next was his death let alone his death on the cross, this most scandalous and disgusting form of execution. They thought that following Jesus was going to be this like nice, easy stroll into glory. Do, 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 I'm with him. And instead, they find out that he's going to die. And not only that, but that they will too. It's a gut punch for these disciples. 
So why then does Jesus even bother to tell his disciples that he's going to die? Why not just let them continue in their ignorant bliss saying, it's all good? Well, a couple of weeks ago, we observed Ash Wednesday. It's the beginning of the Lenten season, a day where we pause to acknowledge our own mortality, to mark our foreheads with a cross of ash and hear those words, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. We repeat this ritual year after year for a couple of main reasons. First, we acknowledge our own earthly deaths and we do so by making the sign of a cross. What we know is the symbol and a reminder that Jesus has conquered death, his own and ours. And so that even as we remember our own death, we all the more remember God's promise of eternal life. And then secondly, remembering and acknowledging the fact that we will die one day can shape how we live right here and now. When we're thinking in terms of life and death, all of a sudden life's little frustrations and our grudges and our worries that we hold on to, they start to seem pretty insignificant. So many of the things that we would waste our time on seem exactly like that, a waste of time. And I wonder if that isn't why Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to die. So as to shape how they experience the time with him that they still have left. So that they don't waste it because they will have to let Jesus go. This is where Mary Oliver comes in as she reminds us that we need to be prepared to let it go. I bet you didn't expect that. Yes, indeed. Elsa singing, let it go. Mary Oliver saying, let it go. Uh, they're on the same page about this. Here's what Mary Oliver says. To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it. And when the time comes, to let it go, to let it go. Just because you know that one day a forest fire might happen doesn't mean you shouldn't enjoy the forest right now. Quite the contrary, right? Now is the perfect time to love and appreciate, to celebrate those tall, beautiful, healthy trees and all the wildlife that call that forest home. As Jesus tells his disciples about his death, he invites them to be his followers, which does mean being ready to acknowledge and end their death, being ready to let go of this life. But before that death, being a follower of Jesus is going to mean celebrating life, experiencing and sharing God's love, sharing love with the people around us, working for justice and peace for all people, embracing this kingdom of God. In life, we all experience that big death, the end, where we all take our last breath and enter eternal life. But throughout this life, we also experience many smaller seasons of death and resurrection, of suffering and new life. We all experience these seasons of hopeful joy and heartbreaking sadness. Right here today, I know we're all somewhere on the spectrum of death and resurrection. If you're in a dark season of death, believe me when I tell you there is resurrection and new life. Hold on to hope. If you're in a season of joyful resurrection and life is good, that's awesome. But you also need to be aware that there will be hard days in the future too. Through all of these seasons of life, we cling to what gives us hope. Prepared to let go when necessary, we cling to the promise that God is with us. We cling to the people around us and when the time comes, we let it go. Trusting that even from death, God brings about new life. Eight years after Annie and I had our little camping trip staying in a burned out forest, we once again made a trip to Yellowstone National Park and we revisited that same dead black forest. But now it was lush and green, full of new growth and pine trees just a little taller than me. 
from death had come resurrection. That's how it works. This is the good news that no matter where you're at, there is always new life on the horizon. Thanks be to God. To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones knowing your own life depends on it, and when the time comes, to let it go. To let it go. Amen. Well, death and resurrection. Um, it was interesting thinking back on that forest fire experience and, and then the you know, eight-year kind of follow-up visit because it really does, I think, serve as such a vivid example of just utter death and destruction. I mean, the remains of a forest fire are just, there's nothing. There's mm -hmm. just nothing. And then, you know, just even a, a year later, it can be totally different. And our experience was eight years later, it was just... It was a new forest. It was it was smaller, like the trees were shorter than they had been, uh, but it was just green and lush. It's just you know, it's hard to believe it's the same thing, and yet I think we experience that in life too. Really dark times that are pretty messy, and then you know you look years down the road maybe, and there's some pretty great and amazing new life too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just remembered that my. Years ago, my grandparents' garage caught on fire, and it was their old. It was connected to their old farmhouse, and uh, the garage caught on fire and damaged. You know that side of the house that it was connected with, and I, I, yeah, I'm just thinking of the fires in my life. You know, like mm -hmm. slew fires or whatever. But that was significant, and um, out of that fire, I think came. Yes, there was a there was a grieving, there was a death, and losing that house. They eventually rebuilt, but. Um, I think in the midst of that, people from the community came in and helped. Mm -hmm. And that was, that, that was the life that came out of that death, you know? Yeah. And there's always, I think that it's always happening, you know? Yeah, I'm often reminded of, we had a fire in my last context, a member had a fire in their home. And within an hour or two post-fire, there was a huge crowd that was bringing them supplies and just the community that surrounded them, but also them digging through the remains of the house. Mm. Um, and you'd pull back a, just what looked like charred out wall, and one of the walls we pulled, we actually lifted it up, and on the inside of the wall was the cross and the family photos, and mm. all of it untouched and unscathed. Yeah. Um, so some of these like very cherished things were protected in the midst of complete destruction. Yeah, I think that's that about fire, you know, when you have a flood like you've experienced. Mm -hmm. A flood will damage things and destroy them, but you still recognize them, but a fire completely changes. Yeah. When I think of the fires, you know, in, in my own life, like losing a job, I got laid off once, and yeah. what do you do now? And, and waiting for that resurrection of a new job or um, friends moving away. There's smaller things, too, besides just death that we have to grieve and mourn and mm -hmm. wait for. Yeah. Yeah, and they can feel like a death. You know, yeah. it's, it's, there's, there's real grief, there's real pain and suffering, and, um, and that new life isn't, doesn't always feel right around the corner. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. This pandemic, we experienced that. No. 
Oh my gosh. We've been, I mean, even, even now, I think even now we might even be feeling a loss, a death of something. Yeah. You know, you know, if we, if we weren't in a pandemic, there were, there would be things we would do right now, even, even while it's snowing out, you know, what would you be doing with family or loved ones? And, and, but, but it's a part of life. (laughs) Part of life is death. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and this confidence that that there's a, there's another side to it. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's the beauty of this poem is that Mary Oliver talks about this holding tight um, and yeah. holding on to something dearly loved, and that the poem is um, holding to hold life against your bones, uh, knowing your own life depends on it to hold that thing that you're yeah. cherishing. And I think that's the beauty of of death is it often reminds us how tightly we hold to those. Uh, those things we love and, and really sort of learn to value that um, because I think when we experience death that that holding on is what keeps us going yeah well and that's I think you know for, to go back to Jesus and the gospel too you know I kind of allude to that in the sermon that you know I think that's part of why Jesus tells his disciples that it's not just like him saying well I'm gonna die and you're gonna die and so then they just quit (laughs) and they leave right right? you know Jesus continues to heal work miracles uh, to do good to bring life to this world and and so it's not that that knowledge of death and an afterlife just means you you quit with what's going on right Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. I mean it's 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 the opposite of that and that's what I think Mary Oliver communicates so well is that that middle step you know those three things you do love what is mortal and then hold on tight Hold on tight. Celebrate that life. Um, and then, you know, be prepared to let it go. Be ready to let it go. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking of parenting um, when, when mm. I first read these words. But, and when your kids are, you know, done with high school, they go to college or whatever they're doing next, is that you have to let them go. And there's sort of a, a mourning and a death there because your relationship changes. I, it gets, in my case, it got better. I mean, it's been great, sure. but it's still a change. Yeah. And that's hard. Yeah, you can't hold. No. You can't hold things so tightly because eventually you have to let them go and breathe. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I know. When I was little, I <laughs> thought a, a kitten was really cute and I held it so tight that I held it too tight. Yeah. Oh. So we have to hold things tightly, but not so tightly that they suffocate. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I just, uh, throughout my, you know, 40 some years, I, I encounter myself and other people where. We just want to hold so tightly to things and we fear losing it or we fear change, but that stuff is inevitable and we have to be ready for it. It's the, it's, you have to mentally prepare for it and it almost becomes easier to let it go. And then grief all becomes easier too when we know that this is the process of life. Right, right. You know, things are going to go. Yeah. We have to be ready for it. Yeah, loving, holding tight, letting go. You know, I mean, there's kind of a rhythm and a season to to that experience. And I think that's one of the lines that Mary Oliver says I, I kind of lifted up that I think really fits is, you know, she talks about as a season. She says, every year, everything I have learned in my lifetime leads me back to this, the fires and the black river of loss, whose other side is salvation. You know, like there is a rhythm to this and you know I think the longer we live and experience life the more we become familiar with that Mm -hmm, rhythm mm -hmm. but that still doesn't take away the sting of those deaths or you know make it easier necessarily 
No, you can't. You can't ignore that. There's there's pain. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm. What's coming up often in my head is the sense of relationship. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's it's not all black and white. You know, I think as a, I'll say this as a man, my brain behaves in a waffle kind of way where everything is compartmentalized, everything is neatly put away, and that's actually my philosophy of life, mise en place. Everything has its place. <laughs> We've talked about this. Right. But but as I've as I've worked for churches, um, as I've lived my life, I'm realizing that relationships are, are even better than putting everything in place. There's a give and a take, and this is what this is talking about, right. but you have to be prepared for it and ready for it and be willing to go through that process, trusting that in the end. Yeah. I, I um, I'm thinking about these cattails that she talks about in the very beginning. Yeah. Like how you just love to look at them, yeah. but eventually they're gonna pop and float away. Did you have a kid just throw them on the sidewalks or in the driveways and they explode? Lisa, that's so violent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I grew up in Duluth. Yeah, we're tough up there. But yeah, we used to. I remember doing that. I remember pull it, like just trying to pull as much as you could and just yeah, throw it in the air. Yeah. Well, shoot dandelions too, like that. Yeah, yeah. you know. Exactly like that. Yeah. I think there's something to this, like this death and life thing, in the sense of just being free to experience it. Um, mm. You know, I, I shared a little bit. Ellie and I put up a picture of my sister. My sister died in '93. Um, and so we just decided to add it to our family photo wall. And I had this moment of like melancholy, oh man, that, that kind of sucked. Yeah. Um, and then like, oh yeah, but there was some good that came out of it. And it was sort of this flittering and floating through the experience. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of this moment is we understand how we kind of walk in and out of the sorrow and the grief, but the joy and the celebration that comes after yeah. that too. Um, and I think the more we're open to just experiencing it and living in it helps us to understand that this really isn't the end. I mean, death is just a part of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, a forest fire doesn't mean the forest is gone forever. You know, a right. uh, mm -hmm. death over here doesn't mean that there won't be joy and new life over mm -hmm. here. Um, uh, you know, and, and yet I think we need people to walk us there <laughs> to help yeah. us get yes. there and yeah. and to find uh the the support and the promise and the presence of god in our lives you know often manifest in the people around us that can really get us from a to b help help us on that journey mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we're not alone in it i just in this death talk de death and resurrection talk i think about other fi like you were talking about fires in your life and mm -hmm. you know child rearing and and whatnot and I th for me I'm thinking about marital arguments yeah. and for me I was I feel like in my years I, I've been conditioned that when you get when things get heated when you start an argument people leave and that's the end of it there is no life after that that's a death and there is no life sure. but I've been learning as as a married individual that we have to be brave to 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 be in an argument, and in that I'm realizing that I I die to myself when I when we continue to argue, because I'm then becoming vulnerable within that pain within that process, and I have to trust the other person to be in this with me, yeah. and then in the end, knowing that in the end it's going to be much better because of the growth you both experienced together, yeah. you know. Yeah. 
think it's that invitation to think about what is what is the the other side look like i think that's how i want to say that but how do we experience Mm -hmm. these many deaths and still see what the outcome after is and Um, trusting that right you know and yeah yeah. And I think that's an invitation question I would ask all of you, too, is how do you experience the other side of those deaths? What are the joys? What are the, the experiences you've gained that have helped shape and, and form you to who you are today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My high schoolers have been wrestling with questions very similar to this, mm-hmm. and I left it with them on Wednesday night <laughs> that... I wasn't going to tell them the answer that they're just going to have to noodle on it. For oh, the day. no. So if you're watching, we just talked a lot about what we're kind of getting to. So Yeah. Big questions. I love that you did that. I think that was just great. Just leave them. Don't just give them the answer. Let it yeah. simmer. So you just think about that because I might not know the answer. We just figure it out together. But yeah. 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 We're reading Mark. So yeah, we are in the fifth chapter of Mark. So. But even in that, you trust the process. You yeah. trust that in the end, they're going to understand something, you know? The difference, too, is knowing the promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it will get through it or it's not the end kind of yeah. thing, right? Yeah. I mean, to know that God never abandons or leaves God's people, it leaves us in a space of going, okay, I can get through this. It might be incredibly hard, but somewhere I'll come out on the other side. Yeah. So I'm just going to say what Jeremy said. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's it. You know, we're going to come back to this text on Wednesday evening. And so we'll invite you back for dinner church on Wednesday night where we'll wrestle with this uh, text again. And, you know, there's a lot of other things going on in this text that we um, didn't touch on. Jesus uh, calls one of his uh, closest disciples Satan. That's kind of interesting. But, uh, you know, also he calls us to be followers. And so what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, to live in this you know, promise and reality of, of eternal life uh, then, but how does that shape how we live now? And so we'll be talking more about this on Wednesday. I invite you to uh, come and be a part of that uh, on Wednesday night as well. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.